This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, a lot of stuff happened during my week off. A ton of stuff. A lot of stuff happened yesterday. Uh, Two big names in the NBA decline their player options to become free agents. Uh, Did an NHL player bet on his own games? And did he throw uh, said games to a profit on said bets? We'll get into that stuff and much more coming up in the next two hours. Uh, Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off another work week. And this work week is perhaps the worst work week of the year. And that is the first week after vacation. (laughs) Oh, isn't it so difficult? It really is. Unless you have one of those jobs that you just love unconditionally. I like what I do a lot. Okay? I do not love my job unconditionally. If you ask me where I'd rather be right now, here, or watching the sunrise at the beach where I was last week, uh, you know where I'd be. And I think uh, you'd be foolish to expect otherwise. Always tough first day back. Always tough to try to get back into the swing of things. After pretty much, what is it, nine, ten days of doing absolutely nothing. But having fun, enjoying company, family, friends. I've said it before, you know, vacation kind of gives you a glimpse of what retirement feels like, right? No responsibilities. You don't have to get up and go anywhere if you don't want to. You get a, uh, a taste of it. And then it's just snatched right, snatched right away. Because then you are thrust back into reality. At, at one day, at some point uh, last week, we we're talking about it around the pool, uh, right? Just, just I'm floating in the pool, beverage in hand. It's a nice 80, high 80 degree, balmy day at the beach and people were sitting around the pool. We're just talking, talking about retirement and talking about uh, maybe, you know, spending the rest of your days at your favorite spot. Now it may be different for everybody, right? I love the beach, the ocean. That is my, that is my happy place. Some people love the mountains, love to go camping or just travel. Every is different for everybody. But that's my place. So we're talking about it around the pool one day. And my niece, who was down there with us, she says, she, yeah, but she said, could you really do this every day? Yes. Uh, yes, I could. <laughs> Without question. 
No doubt in my mind, I could do that every single day for the rest of my life. One day, uh, just not today. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always, if I can remember them. On Twitter, at WCMD Morning Rush. Uh, my page, at Rush Tony C. Those pages were absolutely dormant last week. Because it is the norm for me. As I've said several times on this show, when I go on vacation or I have time off, I check out. I go off the grid. I go on vacation to get away from work. So you know the one thing I don't do on vacation? I don't work. That's what vacations are for. Some people take their work on vacation. I do not understand those people. If you're going to work on vacation, then just stay at work. So completely off the grid last week, completely off the socials, which, by the way, is such a refreshing thing. It is a wonderful thing to go an entire week of no TV, no Twitter, no Facebook, nothing. It is actually, it's very refreshing. It makes me very happy. And it makes me wonder why I don't do it more often. I would highly recommend, even for just a day or two, if you really want to help, like if, if, if you really want a boost in your mental health, if you really want a boost in your, uh, I don't know, attitude, if you really want a boost in your outlook on life, just turn everything off for a day or two. Don't, don't look at the news. Don't jump on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Just black it all out, man. Turn it all off. I'm telling you, you'll thank me. You'll thank me for it. Just get all that stuff out. You just, I know it's kind of like burying your head in the sand. I get it. But at the same time, all that negativity, all the stuff that's going on, all the stuff that some of it's real, some of it not so much. Some of it's contrived drama. Boy, if you just totally just do away with it for a while, you feel so much better. You really do. Anyway, uh, Facebook page at WCMD. Uh, what is it? Oh, uh, <laughs> WCMD Cumberland Radio. I used to have these written down. But then I said them so much, I have them in memory. But then you take a week off, and that memory uh, struggles just a bit. At WCMD Cumberland Radio. Rush line is still here. It is still open. 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamo. 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page, which has been dormant the last week where we upload every show every day, minus commercials, on the free Podbean app. So you can go back and check out anything we've done over the past, I guess it's almost two years now, believe it or not. All right, so that's all taken care of. I remembered most of it. Just trying to ease my way back into the big chair and get things, you know, situated. Let's get to some sports. I'm going to talk about my vacation a lot these next two hours or so, so it is what it is. Because as I said, I didn't pay attention to anything. Anything. Nothing. 
Not even sports. I just I just didn't. So I came back this past weekend with a whole lot of, like what happened? What what did the Nationals do? What did the Pirates do? What happened in the NBA? What did the Olympics? What? The Olympics started? What? You think I'm joking when I say I go off the grid. But that's just I don't pay attention to anything when I go on vacation. Anyway, uh, let's get things started with a rock around the region. I want to rock! And we will start with Major League Baseball, where the Pirates were going for a sweep of the Phillies in Pittsburgh. And they didn't get it. Ninth pitch of the at-bat on the way. And it's swung on, driven to deep left. Going back, Gamble. Still going back. Nearing the track, he looks up. It's out of his reach. It comes off that angled wall at the 410 side. And Segura into second with an RBI double. As Didi Gregorius will come home and score, it's now 6-1 to one Phillies on Segura's second run-producing double of the day. The call right there on WIP, a 15-5 the final. As the Phillies roll to avoid a three-game sweep, the 15 runs are the second most scored by Philly this season and the second most given up by the Pirates this season. Uh, JT Real Muto had five of the Phillies' 20 hits, and Bryce Harper had three of their nine doubles. Michael Perez hit a two-run homer for the Bucks. Elsewhere, the Cubs and Nationals played the rubber match of their three-game series in D.C. The pitch, swing at a high fly ball to deep left field. Back goes Contreras to the warning track, to the wall, and it is good! Charlie slows the call on the Nationals radio network. Yadiel Hernandez, a walk-off bomb in the ninth to give the Nats the victory and the series win. Hernandez hit two homers and had four total hits in the game. Uh, Josh Bell, a pair of RBI singles, uh, one of uh, very few players actually left from the Nationals team. Rafael Ortega tied a Cubs team record with three home runs. Uh, in yesterday's game, and uh, they still lose. Uh, the Cubs lose 6-5. Uh, to five. What a series that would have been if, you know, the Cubs and Nationals actually still had their teams intact. <laughs> you talk about, oh, uh, can you imagine, can you imagine, just think about this for a second. Can you imagine buying tickets to a Cubs-Nationals game in D.C.? Right? Two teams... That have won World Series here as recently as what, 2016? Cubs won, right? Nationals a couple years ago. You imagine buying a ticket to that weekend, it's like Sunday, Sunday afternoon in DC, right? Going to see a baseball game. Cubs, Nats. No Chris Bryant, no Javi Baez, <laughs> no Anthony Rizzo, no Max Scherzer, no Trey Turner. They're all, both teams is gutted. It was an exciting game. If you're a Nationals fan, it still would have been nice, you know, see a walk-off home run uh, by Hernandez. That would be the equivalent of going to like a, uh, uh, I don't know, a Lakers-Bucks game and having like LeBron and Giannis both sit out. 
both getting rest days, right? All the time, time load management in the NBA. That'd be like buying an NBA ticket and all the stars uh, taking a rest day. Anyway, we'll talk about more about the Nats and whatnot later on. Uh, and in Detroit, the Tigers beat the Orioles a 6-2 to two to earn a split of their four-game series. The O's took a 2-0 lead in the first on RBI doubles by Ryan Mountcastle and Anthony Santander, but uh, the O's never scored after that. Spencer Watkins took the loss for Baltimore. He started against the team that drafted him back in uh, 2014. He allowed four runs on three hits in five and two-thirds innings. And in local college hoops, uh, Garrett College Hall of Fame uh, men's head coach Dennis Gibson announced yesterday he will not be back for a 37th season. Uh, Gibson had a record of 717 wins, 397 losses with the Lakers, including four NJCAA tournament appearances. Assistant coaches John Hegeman and Jeff Hoffman are also moving on. So there you go. Some big news out of the local college hoops ranks. Uh, the Garrett College men's team's uh, head coach and top two assistants gone. So they will definitely be retooling uh, for the upcoming season. And uh, that is your rock around uh, the region. All right. So as I mentioned, uh, I missed a lot last week. Okay, didn't pay attention to anything. Didn't really care to pay attention to anything. Uh, I talk sports for a living, but sports is not my life. I've said that several times. Sports really should be nobody's life unless you actually play the game or manage or you know what I mean. So when I go on vacation, I simply don't pay attention. And that is by choice. The Olympics started last week. Uh, I watched virtually hardly any of it. Now, we did have it on TV in the background because uh, my mother-in-law who's on vacation, she likes to watch the Olympics. A couple other people were into it. So every now and then, I would catch a glimpse of what was happening. But I know Simone Biles, she dropped out, right? She dropped out, some uh, mental health thing. Couldn't take the pressure. But I just I saw this morning that she's coming back, right? Did I see that right? Like she's coming back to compete in the balance beam. So there you go. So she's back in the mix, at least for uh, one more event. But I, yeah, I just didn't. Uh, yeah, I just didn't care. <laughs> just didn't. Yeah, uh, Simone Biles to return to Olympics uh, for balance beam finals. She got off to a rough start. And, you know, bowed out, said it's too much pressure. And now she's coming back for the balance beam. The most I watched of the Olympics was actually last night, before I went to bed. Uh, Everybody was in the living room, Mrs. C, Little C. He came home, turned it on, and there were like some 200-meter women's qualifiers, a track. Long the men's long jump competition was actually very exciting. It, it came down to like the fight. Actually, it came down to a tiebreaker. Don't ask me. I can't remember who it was. One guy was from Spain. I think the other one was from Greece. And they actually had they tied for the longest jump, the gold medal jump, if you will. 
And in a tiebreaker, an Olympic tiebreaker goes to whoever had the second, you know, the second best jump. Like their second jump, whose was better? That's the tiebreaker. So this guy from Greece, uh, he had the better second jump. So he wins the gold. A guy from Spain wins the silver. Uh, there was an American uh, in there. Uh, last name was Harrison, a kid from LSU. He was close, but he actually, I think he finished fourth or fifth. Then the hammer throw, which is absolutely ridiculous. I marvel, I marvel at the hammer throw, which you don't see a lot in the high school ranks anymore. But just watching these massive dudes twirling like a top. You, you see the hammer throw this thing? It's literally a ball and chain. <laughs> and they just spin and spin and then and whoo, let out this primal yell and let this thing fly. It's basically, I guess, it's, it's a shot put on a chain, more or less. And what really amazes me is there's like two guys, two people standing about 70, 75 meters on this field, watching these guys hurl the, <laughs> these massive steel balls. Because they have, they have to mark where it lands, right? That's got to be, well, I, you couldn't pay me enough. You really couldn't. To stand there, out there in his field, and watch these guys chuck the hammer 70, 75 meters. It, it, but it's fascinating to watch. Because I can only imagine how much practice, how much work you have to put in to be able to spin like that and let go right at the, the, the proper time, the right time. To hurl that thing, not only a long distance, but like keep it in, in the, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, the playing field. Like, I would probably kill somebody. If I tried to do the hammer throw, I would release it way too early or way too, way too late and just hit somebody standing to my left and kill them. That, that's what would happen. Which is probably why you don't see it in the high school ranks very often anymore. But we probably watched it for, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half. That's the most I've watched the Olympics since they started. It was last night. What else did I miss over uh, the past week? Uh, oh, uh, West Virginia. Uh, hoops. No, I'm sorry, football. Uh, landed a four-star receiver out of Philadelphia, Kevin Thomas. Big news for them. I think he is now, is it 15 or 16? His, the, their 16th commit for 2022. It's a big kid, too, like 6'3", 200 pounds. Uh, also, uh, West Virginia. A former Mountaineer, Miles McBride, was taken 36 overall by the Knicks in the NBA draft. Uh, good for him. I also saw that the uh, the Pitt kid, uh, Champagny, did not get drafted. Uh, Justin Champagny could have stayed for another year, didn't. Chose to you know enter the draft, did not get, but he did sign a, a free agent deal with uh, Toronto. What else did I miss? Oh, we we actually talked about this. Uh, my last show before going on vacation. Uh, the SEC voted unanimously to invite Texas and Oklahoma into the conference. And then the very next day, the regents at OU and UT voted unanimously to accept 
those invitations. So Oklahoma, Texas, will be leaving the Big 12 and joining the SEC, making the SEC the first ever 16-team mega super ridiculous conference. Then I saw a story, uh, I think it was yesterday, day before, I can't remember, that Clemson and Florida State are kind of dipping their toe in the SEC waters, trying to get a few more invitations. Which, look, the SEC's got to stop sooner or later. They can't invite everybody. It's already up to 16. You take FSU and Clemson, you're up to 18. That's, that's, that's what, two nine-team divisions? It's got to stop sooner or later. And just like the Big 12 is going to just disintegrate, it's going to, it's going to crumble without Oklahoma and Texas there. It just, it just will. Just like that, if, if Clemson and Florida State bolted the ACC, what's left? Seriously, what's up? Virginia Tech? All right, that, that's your next big football name, maybe? Now, obviously, North Carolina, Duke, they'll, they'll carry basketball. I mean, basketball, they'll be fine. But as big as basketball is uh, in the ACC, football still makes the most money. Football still makes the most money uh, coast-to-coast, top-to-bottom. That's why Pitt joined the ACC back in the day. They knew that they couldn't compete basketball-wise. And well, To be honest, they can't compete football-wise either. But it's the football money. Teams generally, I say teams, I'm sorry, schools, programs, schools generally switch conferences, bounce around because of football and the football money. That's why they do it. That's why Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. It's all about money. It's football money. It's all about football. Whether you like it or not, that's what it is. And now, since the SEC invited them and they accepted the invitations, now we wait and see where and how the dominoes fall in the Big 12. The Big 12 cannot survive without those two programs. They just can't. They just can't. Then I saw, again, right before I left on vacation, Kansas knocking on the Big Ten's door, wanting, you know, a little piece of that love, which Kansas football-wise is awful, will be absolutely, positively, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the worst football program in the history of the Big Ten if they would join the Big Ten. But my goodness, what a boost it would be to the Big Ten's basketball slate to have Kansas there, right? And that will leave other, other teams scrambling. Oklahoma State might be a Big Ten team. What about West Virginia? Where do they go? Where right? The ACC already shunned them once. Would they do it again? And if team again, we we were rehashing what we went through before I left on vacay. Just like we saw ten years ago, the big conference shakeup, when it seemed like every single school was was switching and moving, we're going to see it again. We're going to see it again, and that's all because Texas and Oklahoma left the Big Twelve and they're going to join the SEC.
And now we're going to see it just happening all over again. Just, I don't know, more, another reason, another reason why it's just, it's really hard to take any of this seriously anymore. I mean, it just is. Because it's never, it's never enough. It's never good enough. Right? The exposure's never good enough. The money's never good enough. The TV contracts are never good enough. The coaches' salaries are never big enough. It's never enough for college football. And college sports in general. But college football. It's never enough. There, there's always got to be more. Right? Always. Greed upon greed upon greed. And as we said, if we said it once on this show, we've said it a thousand times. And it, it, it's, it's, it just gets truer and truer. If you ever question anything in sports, why something was done, why a move was made, if you ever have a question, all you have to do is follow the money. And that will always give you your answer. Always. Why would Texas and Oklahoma, the two bell cows of the Big 12, the two biggest names of the Big 12, Oklahoma has won, what, six straight Big 12 titles? They have owned the Big 12. They have dominated the Big 12. Why would Oklahoma and Texas leave the Big 12? Money. That's it. (laughs) That is it. You need look no further than the almighty dollar to explain anything. And now they're headed to the SEC. Mega Super Conference. Which, of course, will generate more money. All right, time for us to make some money. Uh, we got news and weather coming up. And then we'll be back with more. The Morning Rush. Stick around. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. What are we doing here? (laughs) Ah, not only is it a Monday, it's the first day back from vacation for yours truly, and whoo, I'm struggling. After a long time, what, 10 days? After 10 days of being on a normal schedule, right? 3.20 this morning uh, really, really hit hard. (laughs) Not that it's ever easy. It sucks getting up at 3.20. Today, it it was doubly uh, awful after time off. Anyway, uh, rush line is open, 301-759-2628. Hit me up on Twitter at WCMD. Uh, morning rush. We're just talking uh, this hour about things that I missed the past week uh, sports-wise because, as I've said before, as I said earlier in the show, when I go on vacation, I check out. I don't watch games. I don't follow anything. I don't turn on the TV. I don't get on Twitter or Facebook or anything. I completely check out. So when I get back, I got to kind of get caught up. And we're talking about, you know, 
Texas and Oklahoma, getting SEC invites. Miles McBride from uh, the Mountaineers getting drafted by the Knicks. Things like that. The Olympics, which I watch very little of. Then I see uh, the Nationals pretty much punted on the entire season (laughs) by trading away everybody. Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, Josh Harrison, Kyle Schwarber, Jan Gomes, John Lester, Brad Hand, all traded away last week. All of those trades brought back 12 players. So you had eight, is it right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven? I thought it was eight. Did I miss one? I thought it was eight traded away. Anyway. Uh, Brought back 12 players, young talent, prospects. Ten of those players immediately slid into the list of the Nationals' top 30 prospects. So by trading away all those names, the Nationals immediately bolstered uh, their farm system, which is why you do that. Nationals obviously felt that they just weren't going to get it done this year. I mean, why else do you do that? And I remember the last show here before vacation, uh, the venerable one, uh, Mike Burke, uh, was in studio, and he said that he felt the Nationals were primed to make a run in the second half of the season. That, That he felt that they were just one of those teams that could make a push in the NL East to get past the Phils, the Braves, the Mets. And I I agreed with them. I, I thought that they could. They still had enough pieces in place. But instead of being buyers at the deadline, to make that push, they just they sold everybody. Not everybody, obviously, but you know, you, you get the point. So they basically just punted on the season. You trade away, barring some kind of miracle, barring a bunch of players stepping up, they still have Juan Soto. They still have Josh Bell. Right? They have Hernandez, who came through yesterday. They still have some pieces there. Don't get me wrong. But they're not gonna they're not gonna make a push now. I, I can't I can't see it happening. Especially the Mets got better. All right, they got a Baez from the Cubs. Braves got better. The Phillies, they got Galvis back from VO. Those teams got better. Nationals got significantly worse at the big league level. They're not, they're done. They're done. Again, barring a miracle, they're done. They punted on the season. And now we see, and we get to see pretty much immediately how some of those trades pay off because Josiah Gray, who Washington got from the Dodgers as part of that Scherzer-Turner uh, deal, he will make his Nats debut on the mound tonight. He'll get the start against Philadelphia. So we'll see if you know it pays off immediate dividends. Then the Pirates, we expected them to be sellers, right? That, that's really no surprise. They traded away six players. Including, you know, all-star Adam Frazier, we saw it coming. Closer Richard Rodriguez, we saw it coming. Who else? Clay Holmes is gone. Some smaller pieces. 
those trades landed 11 new players. Which, again, that's what a rebuilding team does. I actually thought they would try to trade more away, but they didn't. Bigger names, I suppose. So the Nats bring in 12 new players. The Pirates bring in 11 new players. The Orioles were actually pretty quiet, which shocked me a little bit. They only made two trades. They sent pitcher Sean Armstrong to Tampa for cash, not manager Kevin Cash, cash considerations. And as I mentioned, they sent Freddie Galvis to the Phillies for a pitching prospect. And that was it. So very little action for the O's at the deadline. Unlike you know a team like the Cubs, <laughs> who absolutely gutted the team, which we mentioned in the last segment. You know, Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, all the core of that 2016 World Series team, all gone, all gone. Not only did they punt on this season, but maybe the next couple seasons as they bolster their farm system, as they enter rebuild mode. A lot of teams, a lot of teams making trades. Uh, what did I see? What did my son say last night? Oh, uh, Starling Marte and Josh Harrison, two former Pirates, reunited in Oakland as they try to make a push. All right, Rizzo goes to the Yankees. Bryant goes to the Giants. So it happens. Trade deadline, right? The Dodgers get Scherzer and trade. To- Rich get richer, and everybody else rebuilds and restocks in hopes to reload. That is the joy of Major League Baseball. And I say that sarcastically. All right, one final break and then back to wrap up our number one. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Now, that is just happened like an hour ago am i am i the the time difference messes me up but it's dated for this morning like this espn story filed at 557 less than an hour ago so i assume it's just happened you know on the other side of the globe the u.s women's national soccer team bounced from the gold medal round or gold medal contention, lost to Canada in the semifinals, one nothing. Uh, Jesse Fleming scored on a second half penalty kick to stun the U.S. women. The Canada beats the U.S. for the first time in twenty years. And so now they move on to the gold medal game against either, uh, who was it here? I think it's Sweden. Call or hold on. You know what, let's go go to the phone line uh, before the break here. Uh, You're up, go ahead. Tony, what's up? What's up, man? Hey, uh, you know, when you go on vacation, for guys like me, it's the exact opposite. What's that? Well, I, I don't get to hear you for what you was only in the studio three days the week before last four i was in there four i only didn't t- sound like it i only took friday off i was in there four days all right so I think. let's talk big 12 and sec and that kind of thing right so i 
I hear a lot of West Virginia fans talking about the Big Ten, the ACC, and the AAC. I don't think the Big Ten's going to happen. We're not AAU affiliated. And the only one in the Big Ten that's not is Nebraska, but they were when they were brought into the to the conference. Right. What is your thoughts on AA or the ACC or the AAC? The ACC already turned their backs on West Virginia once. Because I think if, if West Virginia had the choice the first time around, they would have joined the ACC. And I don't think the ACC won it. And I, I just, I don't think, this is, I'm trying to think like the ACC thought. And I think the ACC thought that West Virginia's academic standards went up to their par, up to snuff, for the ACC. With, now how about, what about now? Uh... I don't know why why those thoughts would change. I'm not saying that's I, I'm not saying that's a good reason. I'm saying that's the ACC's reason that they just thought that West Virginia's academic like uh, what's where I'm looking for here? Not standards, but uh, uh, I'm at a loss for a phrase here. But you get the point. Well, let me throw this admissions admission standards. Then, back then, it was a little different. I know things. It, it wasn't that long ago. But so much has changed since. The SEC is now the super conference. Right. And the ACC is going to want to follow that. Now, I know that I've heard of the academics thing a lot. Only half of the ACC is in the AAU in the first place. And West Virginia is officially in the AAU registration process. Right. So you have teams like Duke and North Carolina and teams like that that are in the AAU, but a lot that aren't. So they can't use that academics card against West Virginia anymore. If they want to make a push to be a super conference and match that SEC, then they're going to have to consider teams like West Virginia. Well, yeah, absolutely. But let's be clear on one thing. Nobody's matching the SEC. Nobody. No. The, you know, everybody's fighting for second place now. Everybody's fighting for scraps. Because with OU and, and Texas, joint, nobody's going to touch them. As far as football dominance, I don't care who switches. I don't care if the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pact all join forces. Nobody's touching that conference. No, the rich get richer, right? Yeah, Just like you said about baseball. It's all about yeah. It's all about money. You know why else would OU and Texas leave? It's about the SEC money, TV deals, exposure, and and whatnot. So Texas and, Texas and Oklahoma both are primed over the next ten years now. To gain nine hundred and sixty million dollars. That's insane. That's as, as as I said earlier in the show. That's why it's hard for me to take it seriously anymore. But if I'm the ACC and and West Virginia comes calling, I'm answering that call because of the following they have up and down, especially the East Coast. Uh, I don't know if they will. I think the A or AAU, the uh, the other one, the AAC, would love to have West Virginia. Right, would love to have them. Sure, they would. <laughs> you know, considering who else they have in that conference. But if I'm the ACC, especially seeing what's going on, I'm definitely you know taking that call from Morgantown. We'll see what well, happens. I'll tell you, Tony, uh, uh, a friend of ours in common, Brandon Coble. Yeah, we discussed West Virginia's branding nationally. West Virginia is ranked seventh in branding. They they have to consider that. They just they have to consider it. 
by the way, uh, my wife and I, we have uh, Pirates tickets mm-hmm. for September 30th. Mm-hmm. They're hosting the Cubs. <laughs> I really wanted to watch Rizzo yep. and Bryant, Baez. Now it's going to be a AAA affiliate pretty much for both teams. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's, that's what the deadline does, man. Like you just, we just, rich get richer, and everybody else suffers and pays the consequences. Because, you know, I'm an Orioles fan. I mean, I'm, I'm, I like the Pirates, too. Right. I like going to PNC Park. Right. The only difference between the Orioles and the Pirates is you can afford to go to a Pirates game. <laughs> right. Man. So, uh, Get your money's worth. It's probably going to be cold. We're going to be sitting there watching two AAA affiliates play each other. But we'll be at PNC Park, so that's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, good day. Hey, uh, uh, two bad teams at a park is better than most places, so I'll, we'll take it. One thing, real quick, you mentioned the Orioles were quiet in the trade. Yeah. They were last year, too. Things have changed since Elias took over as the GM right. in, that, in that club. He's looking to the future. He's hanging on to young talent like John Means, Trey Mancini, Cedric Mullins. Right. And so Ryan Mountcastle, he's building. Right. And it's going to take a little bit, just like it did for Houston, because while he took over for Houston, they were kind of the laughing stock for about four or five years, and then boom, they're the world champs. Now, for reasons that weren't known then, <laughs> they are now, but I don't think that's the case in Baltimore. And I think he's building that team the way he did in Houston, and Houston wound up being an all-star team. I really don't think they had to cheat in the first place. No, but neither, no neither do I, yeah, but it didn't hurt either. So, hey, glad you're back. All right, man. All right, later on. All right, see you. There you go. James checking in, 301-759-2628. You, too, uh, can join on the uh, the conversation, the discussion about uh, the Big 12. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, if I'm the ACC, uh, I'm looking at West Virginia again. Even though they kind of shunned them the first time, uh, now the situation may be a little more, you know, a little more uh, desperate with the SEC just exploding more than it already was. All right. uh, Hour number one done. Hour number two around the corner doing push-ups. Stick around. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Several ways to get involved on the show. Got to remind you, as I have to remind myself after, uh, what, nine, ten days off, Hit me up on Twitter at WCMD Morning Rush at Rush Tony C. That's the letter C, not the word C. Facebook at WCMD Cumberland Radio. Uh, Rush line is open 301 759 2628. Your chance to dial and dance. 301 759 2628. James uh, called and checked in. At the end of last hour, you should be more like James and call in 301-759-2628. And of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day, minus commercials. So you can go back and listen to anything you may have missed. For instance, if you missed the last hour, you missed James' call. And we were talking about Texas and Oklahoma jumping ship from the Big 12 to the SEC, where the dominoes fall from there. Where does West Virginia, the Big 12 is done. I I can't see any way the Big 12 exists after OU and UT leave. I I just don't see it. 
it definitely won't be a major player. It definitely I, – I can't see it unless basketball carries a day. Right? Because whenever you think Big 12, you think football. Right? That's automatic. Can basketball save that conference? I don't know. I mean, Kansas is a good draw. Baylor, obviously, won a national championship. But football's king. I, I can see the Big 12 just absolutely disintegrating, which leaves a bunch of teams scrambling. You know, Oklahoma State, they go to the Big 10. Kansas, they go to the Big 10. What about West Virginia? Where do they go? And if you have conferences like the Big 10, the ACC, and they want to try, you're not going to be able to keep pace with the SEC. You're just not. But you still want to be up there in the top, you know, upper tier. Yeah, start considering, you know, opening your doors to team. Like we mentioned, the ACC seemed to turn their back on West Virginia when we had the first big conference realignment 10 years ago. Might be time to reconsider. And I think you're going to see a lot of conferences uh, reconsidering their, you know, admission standards as far as letting schools in because of what the SEC is doing. Now it's just a race for the money. Now it's just to see who can grab a bigger piece of the pie. All right? I mean, look, the SEC owns the pie. The, the SEC owns the bakery. They bake the pies. All right? Now everybody just wants a piece of the pie. I'd be shocked. I don't know if they even made it official yet. Like, when is Texas and Oklahoma joining the as of next year? West Virginia won't be part of the Big 12 when that happens. They'll, they'll be somewhere else. And I think I think they'll be happy. I, I don't think they wanted to join the Big 12. Like, who wanted that? Who in Morgantown wanted that travel? Who wanted to be a part of a conference that was halfway across the country? When you look at it on a map, it's amazing where, <laughs> where you see West Virginia, and then you see the rest of the Big 12. It doesn't, it never fit. It never fit. It was never a good fit. It was never a good decision, but it was one that had to be made because everybody else was jumping ship. The Big East was falling apart football-wise. They had to go somewhere. And the ACC said no. Said no thank you. So the Mountaineers, they had to join the Big 12. Now, they're going to have to go somewhere else. And I think they'll be happy to do it. Providing it's one of, you know, still the power five or four or whatever it's going to be now. It could be the ACC. It could be the the Big Ten. It could be the Big Ten. You never know. But the last thing that you want to do, and this, this is no disrespect to the AAC, but the last thing you want to do, you might as well stay in the Big 12 if it even exists. If you have to jump ship from the Big 12 to the AAC, that's that's not that's not even a lateral move. That's a backwards move. Oh, times are changing. Change is a coming. Anyway, we talked about that. Uh, we talked about a couple. Uh, we talked about a recruit that the uh, Mountaineer football team picked up, Miles McBride, uh, heading to uh, the Knicks, getting drafted 36 overall. We talked about the Nats and the Pirates and the Orioles with the trade deadline, the Olympic, all the things that I missed uh, last week on vacation. We kind of talked about that and ran it down last hour. So, again, if you missed it, uh, check it out on the podcast page. Uh, the show will be uploaded uh, later uh, this morning.
All right, uh, let's uh, one more time this morning rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we will start with Major League Baseball, where the Pirates were going for a sweep of the Phillies in Pittsburgh. And uh, they did not get it. Ninth pitch of the at-bat on the way. And it's swung on, driven to deep left. Going back, Gamble. Still going back. Nearing the track, he looks up. It's out of his reach. It comes off that angled wall at the 410 side. And Segura into second with an RBI double. As Didi Gregorius will come home and score, it's now 6-1 to one Phillies on Segura's second run-producing double of the day. The call on WIP, 15-5, to five, the final. As the Phils avoid a three-game sweep, the 15 runs are the second most scored by Philly this season and the second most given up by the Pirates this season. Uh, JT Realmuto had five of the Phillies' 20 hits. Bryce Harper had three of their nine doubles. Michael Perez hit a two-run homer for the Bucks. Elsewhere, the Cubs and Nationals played the rubber match of their three-game series in, uh, in D.C., and we had some drama. The pitch, swing and a high fly ball to deep left field. Back goes Contreras to the warning track, to the wall, and it is Charlie slows the call on the Nationals radio network. Uh, Yadro Hernandez, a walk-off bomb in the ninth to give the Nats the victory and the series win. Hernandez hit two homers and had uh, four total hits in the game. Uh, Josh Bell had a pair of RBI singles. Uh, Rafael Ortega tied a Cubs team record with three home runs uh, in the game yesterday, and they still lost. A matchup of uh, two teams decimated. At the uh, trade deadline. And in Detroit, the Tigers beat the Orioles 6-2 to earn a split of their four-game series. The O's took a 2-0 lead in the first on RBI doubles by Ryan Mountcastle and Anthony Santander, but they never scored after that. Spencer Watkins took a loss for Baltimore. He started against the team that originally drafted him in 2014. Uh, He allowed four runs on three hits in five and two-thirds innings. And in local college basketball, Garrett College Hall of Fame coach Dennis Gibson announced he will not be back for a 37th season. Gibson had a record of 717 wins, 397 losses with the Lakers, including four NJCAA tournament appearances. Assistant coaches John Hageman and Jeff Hoffman also moving on. So, uh, speaking of changes are coming, the Garrett College men's basketball team uh, losing their head coach and two assistants as uh, Dennis Gibson not coming back uh, to McHenry. It's in, it's in McHenry, right? Yeah. And that is your uh, Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caporelli Group. So, there you go. Oh, and one more. I started talking about this. This isn't any local thing, but it's still big news. Uh, I started talking about this uh, at the end of last hour before James called in. Uh, the U.S. women's national soccer team has been knocked out of gold medal contention. They lost to Canada in the uh, semifinals, uh, I guess today, earlier today, over in Tokyo. They lost 1-0. Uh, Jesse Fleming, a second-half penalty kick 
as Canada beats the U.S. for the first time in 20 years. Uh, the U.S. women have now failed to reach the final in back-to-back Olympics after they uh, lost to uh, Sweden in the quarterfinals in Rio in 2016. So now they will now uh, play in the bronze medal match Thursday. Canada moves on to face either Sweden or Australia in the gold medal match on Friday. So there you go. The U.S. women can do no better than the bronze. And look, we talked about this when it happened. Some rare soccer talk on this show. When they lost 3-0 to Sweden to start the tournament. right? That snapped their 44-game unbeaten streak. Then they had a scoreless draw with Australia in the group stage. And now you got Sweden and Australia playing for a spot in the gold. So there you go. So the U.S. women's national team, no gold, no silver. After losing to, again, lost to Canada for the first time in uh, two decades. I'm still trying to uh, get vacation out of my head. And we're sitting around yesterday. And uh, Mrs. C uh, says, you know, she said, why does it feel like fall all of a sudden? Which may seem like a ridiculous statement uh, to a lot of you right now. But after she said it, I'm like, you know what? It kind of does. Because, you know, we get back from the beach, which is where we were last week. And it kind of feels like summer's over. Like vacation is over. Summer is over. School is right around the corner. And it just feels, you know, Little C is moving on to college in two weeks, something I'm I'm definitely, I'm just not prepared for at the moment. Just kind of feels like fall all of a sudden. What's, what's today's high, like 79, something like that? I woke up today early, and there was a chill in the air. It was like 57, 55 outside. Look, summer's not over by a long shot. It's only August 2nd, but it just feels that way. Once vacation's over, it just feels like fall is just, it's it's upon us. Can I just say this? Let me just say this uh, when it comes to uh, going on vacation. Uh, I-95 continues to be the worst highway in America, and I don't even think it's close. And I haven't even driven on every highway in America, but I don't think I really need to because I can't imagine any highway being any worse than that one. Uh, When the song Highway to Hell was made, I'm fairly certain it was about I-95. I-95 is the only highway where you could go from cruising at 75 miles per hour to a dead stop and then back up to 75, all within about a mile. And you have absolutely no idea why you stopped. None. And if you traveled 95, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you traveled 95 up and down the East Coast, you know there are spots that for whatever reason, you're slamming on your brakes, you go from 75.80 to 5, and you're stuck there. It's like a parking lot for like 15, 20 minutes. 
and then all of a sudden it opens back up again. The floodgates open, and then you're off. And you have no idea why. There's no accident. There's no disabled vehicle. There's nothing in the roadway. Somebody didn't blow a tire. Somebody didn't hit a deer or a, a I don't know, whatever, what's down, what's down the coast. A crane, the bird, not the actual, you know, machine. A bear, <laughs> you sit in traffic. Three lanes of traffic, dead stop for 15, 20 minutes. And once you get through it, you have no idea why you stop. It's usually because there are two or three people on the highway who decide they want to take their time at that particular moment. Am I right? Am I right? Two or three people who have no intention of going the speed limit, which is 70 on night. It's 70 for most, most spots. But they decide they want to be out on a Sunday cruise and just jam everything up. And then once the, the head of the pack starts hitting their brake lights, then everybody else follows suit. And then everything slows. That's usually what happens. But it's just, it's infuriating. When you're cruising right along, you're making good time, and then you just stop dead. And then you get going again, and there's just nothing there. That is I-95 in a nutshell. And then God help you on the way back. Going down on vacation is one thing. Driving that sucker on the way back, when everybody's on it, coming back from vacation on the same day, mm, it's getting to the point where uh, flying becomes a better and better option uh, every time. Anyway. Uh, some NBA news. Let's move on to some actual sports here. Two big names uh, in the NBA, in case you missed it, yesterday, have opted out of their contracts and are now uh, free agents. Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul both declined their player options for next season. Kawhi, of course, with the Clippers and CP3 with the Suns, who, of course, he just led them to the NBA Finals. Leonard's option was for $36 million. Paul's was for $44 million. NBA front office insider Bobby Marks kind of surprised that Kawhi chose to take this route. Well, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that he did not. Um, if, the, if the goal was to sign a, a long-term lucrative contract, uh, from, the economic, from an economic standpoint, it made sense just to opt into his extension and, and sign a, you know, a four year, uh, four year extension there. Um, but he chose to, to do, uh, to be, become a free agent. And I think, I think probably what we're going to see is him sign a one plus one contract with player option for, uh, next year. And that would allow him to, you know, sign a five year, $235 million, uh, contract in 2022. And, uh, the likelihood is that he will be out a significant portion of this year rehabbing here. So, I think it's more of just kind of a, a, a business-related decision than you know him kind of testing the waters here. Well, they're all uh, business-related decisions. Now, he mentioned rehab, and don't forget that Kawhi missed uh, the Clippers' final eight playoff games with that knee issue, and he had surgery to repair a partially torn right ACL. On July 13th, he's expected to miss a lot of time as he rehabs. So the question is, was it smart to turn down a $36 million option 
coming off of knee surgery. Yeah, I think there's been precedent. I mean, we saw it with Clay Thompson in 2019 with Golden State, certainly Kevin Durant in uh, 2019, you know, coming off that that Achilles and then goes signs with uh, with Brooklyn. I think I think he still holds a lot of leverage over the organization based on how much they had to give up um, to acquire Paul Dray, Paul George. Uh, in that trade with uh, with Oklahoma City there, and, and those picks haven't come to fruition yet. So I think they have an understanding, I think, from a health standpoint, when he'll be back, what the long-term uh, consequences, if any. Um, and if you're going to opt out of $36 million, I think you probably know that there's, a, there's an insurance policy kind of in waiting. And uh, Bobby says that even though both players opted out, both players are now free agents, uh, Chris Paul's situation is a little bit different than Kawhi's. His is a little bit different here because Chris had a uh, you know forty four million dollar player option, and um, you know they could have extended on there, but he you know he declined that option, and the likelihood is that he's going to add some length um, you know to his deal. You know, the first year number will probably if he goes back to Phoenix will probably be a bit a little bit lower. Um, that might help them bring back a player like Campaign. And then he gets, you know, probably an additional two or three years or maybe even four years of, you know, additional financial security instead of kind of opting into that, uh, into that $44 million and kind of playing out the year here. So a little bit different here, um, but I'm expecting both guys to, to return back to, to their teams. All right, so uh, both players can begin negotiating new deals uh, when talks are allowed to open at uh, 6 o'clock this evening. And one more Clippers nerd, uh, nerd. Is that a word? I got ahead of myself. One more Clippers note, Surge. You see what I did there? Uh, note and Surge, nerd. Surge Ibaka exercised his player option and will return to the Clips for a second season. His option is worth 9.7 mil. Not exactly 36 and 44 million. But I'm not going to scoff at $9.7 million either. All right, time for a break. News and weather coming up when we come back. Has an NHL player gambled on his own team and thrown games? Stick around. That's next. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Also hit us up on Twitter at WCMD Morning Rush. Scott checking in this morning on Twitter. We were talking, I was talking, I don't know why I say we, there's nobody else here but me, about the uh, the hell that is driving I-95. And Scott says on Twitter, I just drove I-95 for 600 plus miles on Friday. He says he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Three times. Uh, stopped in traffic, no construction or wrecks. So Scott knows that the I-95 struggle is real. Go from 75 to zero, back up to 75 in a heartbeat, and you have no idea why. As far as vacation itself, vacation went how vacations usually go, right? They start out slow. Right? You got an entire week ahead of you. And then you wake up and it's time to go home. It's just, it's the wicked thing about vacations or any fun times. Really, they eventually have to come to an end. And I mean, we've all done it, right? We all go through, we all do the countdown in our head, right? We all do it. I'm not the only one. I've talked to people I know. 
right? I mean, you go away for a week, you go to the beach, uh, the mountains, whatever floats your boat, right? You're, you're so excited to get there. Everyone congregates and just, you know, arrives at the same time on, it's usually a Saturday, maybe it's a Friday or a Sunday. Everyone just downright drunk with happiness and uh, other things, probably. And you say to yourself, man, we got a, we got a whole week of this, right? And Saturday, whatever the first day of your vacation is usually hectic, right? Because you're traveling, <laughs> I-95, trying to get into your house or your cabin or whatever. And once you get in, you, you kind of have to get the lay of the land, the lay of the house. You find your room, you, you unpack, probably stock up on groceries and other items. And you really don't settle in until like late that Saturday evening, right? So, so the, the first real vacation day is Sunday, the first real full day. And you think, man, it's only Sunday. We got a whole week of this. Then Monday comes, and you're still good because you'd normally be starting the work week, right? What are all the other people doing? All the working people doing, right? You're on vacation. You're sleeping in, having coffee on the balcony or whatever they call it, veranda overlooking the ocean or the lake, whatever, you're living the good life. And vacation time, especially beach time, I don't know about you, but beach time is slow. And you can be sitting on the beach for like what seems like an eternity. You look at your phone and it's only like 1.15 in the afternoon. It feels like you're out there for six hours. It's only been like two or three. Tuesday rolls around and you're still good because you still have half the week left. And then you wake up the next day, and it's like, hold up. So it's, it's Wednesday already? But you're still cool because what? You still have three full days left? But you don't, really, because Thursday just flies by. Thursday is always that one day that zips by for whatever reason. And Friday, you spend Friday trying to figure out how much time you want to spend vacationing and how much time you want to spend packing things up. Because if you're like me, You're not doing anything on Saturday except getting up and leaving. I don't want to mess with any of that stuff on Saturday or whenever you're leaving. I want it all done the day before. I want the car loaded up. I want the house cleaned up. Everything back in its place before it's time to leave. And then you do. You get up Saturday. Make sure everything's where it's supposed to be. You make one final sweep of the house. You're depressed as hell because vacation is over. You get in your vehicle to drive home and you say to your, what do you say to yourself? Didn't I just drive down here? Right? You say the same, didn't I just get here? And you're driving back home and you're depressed and you're angry because you're on 995 and traffic stopping for no reason. Then it's Monday and you're back in the big chair. <laughs> Everybody does the vacation countdown. Everybody. You don't want to. You don't want to put that, t- you know, the, that time frame on it. You don't want to look at it that You don't want to count it down because the more you count it down, the faster it goes. It's like Sunday's good, Monday's good, Tuesday's good, then it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're back home. Everybody does the vacation countdown. I'm convinced of it. 
It's not a good thing either. There was a time in my life when I was fortunate enough to be able to go on vacation for two straight weeks. Two weeks in a row. We spent two straight weeks. I only did it a short, like I think it was two years. And it was wonderful. Because that countdown really didn't exist. Because at the turn, when you got to that first Thursday, Friday, right? When everybody's doing the countdown, everybody's packing up, getting ready to go on Friday, you're sitting there just leaning back going, oh, got a whole other week of this. And as everybody is flying out Saturday, taking off Saturday, and all the new folks are coming in that Saturday, you're just making the turn. And it's a, it was a beautiful thing. And I'll probably never see it again <laughs> until I retire. Anyway, all right. Enough of that. Enough of that. Uh, but it was a it was a fun vacation. It was a good time as always. Uh, big news out of the National Hockey League this weekend as a San Jose Sharks forward Evander Kane forced to deny allegations by his wife that he has gambled on NHL games. He has gambled on his own games. And that he intentionally tried to lose games for gambling profit. On Saturday, Anna Kane wrote in an Instagram story, because, you know, that's where you want to air all this out on Instagram. She put, quote, how does the NHL let a compulsive gambling addict still play when he's obviously throwing games to win money? Maybe someone needs to address this, end quote. That's a pretty big accusation. In a separate post, uh, she accused Evander Kane of spending a lot of money uh, while partying in Europe, asking her to sell her wedding ring to survive and not having enough money to buy baby formula. Now, Evander Kane jumped on Twitter yesterday to defend himself because, again, that's where you want to go and air this out is on social media, saying that he never, all caps here, very important, never bet on NHL games, never bet on Sharks games, he never threw a game. He said he will cooperate fully with the NHL to clear his name. Kane uh, said that he and his wife are in the process of getting a divorce and that his wife is quote-unquote mentally unwell. Now, you may hear that and you may think, well, this is a case of a marriage gone bad, things falling apart, And that maybe, maybe Anna Kane is throwing things out there to make life miserable for her soon-to-be ex-husband. Except for one thing. Evander Kane has a long history of gambling. And it's not a good history. ESPN NHL insider Greg Wyshynski was on ESPN Radio yesterday talking about this story and what could happen to Evander Kane if the NHL finds he did indeed uh, bet on games. It's right there in the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, There is no gray area. It simply says gambling on any NHL game is prohibited. Uh, If it is found that someone does wager on an NHL game, it could lead to anything from an indefinite suspension to the cancellation of the player's contract with his team. Uh, So the uh, Kane put out a pretty... uh, emphatic denial um, uh, on Twitter this morning. 
saying that he uh, he never, in fact, bet on hockey or, or on, bet on the San Jose Sharks, his current team. And so that's where we are, NHL investigating and then uh, uh, the he said, she said, for uh, lack of a better term. Apparently, earlier this year, um, he was reported to have filed Chapter 7 bankruptcy in a California court and to be $26 million in debt. How does someone who's made $56 million get to be $26 million in debt? Well, I mean, part of it is, is unfortunately, some, some bad, uh, bad wagering. He was also sued by Las Vegas Casino for $500,000 in gambling debt in 2019. He has come out in public uh, to wow. say that he's had a, a sports gambling addiction. Uh, his, his gambling losses are one of the worst-kept secrets in the National Hockey League. So, uh, so uh, um, let me just interject real quick. Do, so do you think, like, like, the next thing is, you know, to quote Denzel's character, Alonzo in Train Day, it's not what you know, what you can prove. Do you think it's going to be fairly easy for the NHL and Anna Kane to prove that he's betting on NHL? I mean, it really depends on who he's betting with, right? I mean, if it's if he was dumb enough to do it through the sports books, there's probably going to be a, uh, a trail, trail left behind. Yeah. Uh, if he's doing it with with his own guy, as, as they say, maybe not so much. Um, I'll say this: you know, I've been asked this a lot today as to how easy it is for someone to say, like, throw a hockey game if he's bet against this team. Kane's a forward. Uh, he plays just over 20 minutes a night on average, which means that two thirds of the game he's not on the ice. Uh, I've talked to some people that say it's quite difficult if you're not a goaltender to, uh, you know, engage in say, like throwing a game. Um, but there are definitely ways to do it. I mean, you know, it's a low event scoring sport. If you're on the ice for a goal against, um, it could end up being the game winning goal. If you take a, a number of penalties in a game to push your team at a disadvantage and having to kill a bunch of penalties. I mean, that factors into it too. So, there's a lot of that kind of discussion happening behind the scenes on top of the obvious investigation the NHL is doing into whether or not there's a paper trail that might prove that Evander Kane has wagered on the National Hockey League. So what happens if it's proven that he did gamble on games? What are the consequences that he could face? Well, I mean, on the lesser end of the spectrum, it's a fine. Uh, but then the other two remedies spelled out in the CBA are that he can be expelled or suspended by the commissioner, Gary Bettman, for a, de- a definite or indefinite amount of time. Um, and then the other remedy is the cancellation of, of his standard player contract with the San Jose Sharks. Now, the interesting thing about that is the aforementioned bankruptcy proceedings that you mentioned. There was a lot of speculation earlier this year that to uh, try to get the creditors off his back, he and the Sharks might cancel his contract. So, in a roundabout way, maybe that actually benefits him in the bankruptcy proceedings if that's the remedy for the situation. But, you know, he's come out, he's denied it. Uh, the NHL clearly takes this thing very seriously, and they take it very, very seriously for one particular reason, which is that they've made a number of forays into the world of sports wagering in the last couple of years. They have partnerships with a number of different sports books uh, and, and, and global gambling companies. They truly believe that sports wagering and the legalization of it is a way for them to break into new markets that they have not reached yet and get people to watch hockey. So there is a lot of money tied up into ensuring that there wasn't a player, say, throwing his games because he had money against his team. So there you go. And we won't know anything else until the NHL. Look, the NHL released a statement saying, quote, the integrity of our game is paramount and the league takes these allegations very seriously, end quote. Uh, league hopes to have the investigation wrapped up uh, by training camp. It is worth noting that uh, last season, Kane had a really good season. 
22 goals, 27 assists. That's 49 points in 56 games. One of his better seasons, actually. So we'll see what the NHL investigation uh, reveals later down the road. All right, uh, time for one last break, and then back to wrap things up. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Before we get out of here, let's check on the player who delivered. uh, Brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about the Nationals' Yadiel Hernandez? Pitch. Swing and a high fly ball to deep left field. That goes Contreras to the warning track. To the wall. It is Charlie slows the call on the Nationals radio network. Hernandez is a solo homer in the bottom of the ninth. His second home run of the day gave the Nats a 6-5 win over the Cubs. Hernandez had four hits uh, yesterday. He is now 11 for 18 with nine RBI in 10 games since July 17th. So there you go. Yadiel, Yad, I can't pronounce his name today. Yadiel Hernandez. Our player who delivered, uh, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. And the Nationals will need that kind of production because they traded everybody else away. So there you go. <laughs> it's true. Not, not everybody, but a lot of a lot of people. I see this uh, Facebook uh, post from our sister station down the hall. 100.1 The Wolf. Uh, I guess it's their question of the day. Uh, how old were you when you felt grown up? I don't know. I'll tell you when that happens. (laughs) Not quite there yet. Not quite there yet. Actually, I think I'm going backwards. I don't know. know. How old did you feel when you felt grown up? Get out of college? Get your first, like, full-time job? Maybe your first home? First vehicle? I'm not sure. crazy thing is the more grown up you feel uh, the harder life gets it seems like because you just owe everybody money maybe that's when it is when you start owing people money uh, for your house and your car and your ridiculously high cable bill maybe that's that's how grown up feels I'm not quite sure Uh, in case you missed it earlier uh, two big stories coming out of uh, the Olympics in Tokyo, uh, Simone Biles, uh, she is coming back to compete in the balance beam final. And the U.S. women's national soccer team upset today by Canada in the Olympic semifinal. one nothing. Jesse Fleming, a penalty kick in the second half. Canada beats the U.S. women for the first time in 20 years. So they move on to the gold medal game against either Sweden or Australia. The U.S. women can do no better than bronze at this year's Olympics. So those are the two big stories uh, coming out of Tokyo today, this morning, or yesterday, or whatever. However that works, I'm I'm not even quite sure. Some good news here 
I got to get her first name right, or else I don't. Jade Carey of the United States uh, won gold in the women's gymnastics, a floor exercise. So there you go, taking home a little gold hardware for Jade Carey. Congratulations to her. Only 21 years old. Gold medal went. What was I doing when I was 21? I, I, I have no idea. Probably when I was in college, so I was either studying or down at the bar, one of the two. I certainly wasn't halfway around the world winning uh, a gold medal. <laughs> not, a, not a 21. Or any other age, for that matter. Uh, what's going on tonight? I don't even know. Because I haven't even updated my schedule yet. As far as, we got Nationals on tonight? Yeah, they're playing They're playing the Phillies, right? Josiah Gray, who the, the Nats got from the Dodgers in that Scherzer-Trey uh, Turner deal. Uh, Gray will make his Nationals debut on the mound tonight. Against the Phillies, that game, a pregame at 635 catch it uh, on this very station to see if that trade pays off immediate dividends for the Nationals. And we're not going to see it you know, fully pay out until down the road. As we talked about earlier, the Nats traded away, what, 10 players, 8, 7, 8, and got 12 in return? That's right. It was like 7 players. They got 12 in return. 10 of those 12 immediately in the Nationals' top 30 prospects list. So the Nats basically punted on the season to bolster their farm system. We'll see how uh, it pays off starting tonight with Josiah Gray on the mound against the Phils. Catch it again right here at 635. All right, uh, that's it. We're done. Tri-State today, Amanda Mangan up next. Stick around for her show. And then uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Well, stick around for all the shows. They're all good. And we'll be back for tomorrow's show. 6 a.m. sharp. This is a morning rush. I am Tony C. And I am done. Ah, bye.